You know, the question is interesting. Is Israel over with? Is Israel no longer relevant spiritually? Now, that's a question. Some people say yes, some people say no. But what does the Bible say? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible in one year. And as we do so, we land in Ezekiel 11. We're going to talk about this in just a few minutes, so make sure you stay there. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? I'm going to be focusing on Ezekiel chapter 8 and the idolatry that Ezekiel sees going on in the Jerusalem temple. Ryan? Yes. Well, similar to Corey today, I'm taking a close-up look at Ezekiel 8.14, which mentions women weeping for Tamiz in the Lord's temple. Yeah, these are good reports coming up at 20 after. And Janice, what are you doing? Maybe there's a message in the names. We'll see. All right, very good. All of this is coming up. That's coming up in 25 minutes, so we've got a good schedule for you. Take your Bible guide out and your Bible, and let's listen to what God speaks to us today. Ezekiel 11, verses 1 through 13. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faces eastward. And there at the door of the gate were twenty-five men, among whom I saw Jazaniah the son of Azur, and Palatiah the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. And he said to me, Son of man, These are the men who devise iniquity and give wicked counsel in this city who say, The time is not near to build houses. This city is the cauldron, and we are the meat. Therefore prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. Then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said to me, Speak. Thus says the Lord. Thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. You have multiplied your slain in this city, and you have filled its streets with the slain. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Your slain, whom you have laid in its midst, they are the meat, and this city is the cauldron. But I shall bring you out of the midst of it. You have feared the sword, and I will bring a sword upon you, says the Lord God. And I will bring you out of its midst and deliver you into the hands of strangers and execute judgments on you. You shall fall by the sword. I will judge you at the border of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. This city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall you be meat in its midst. I will judge you at the border of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, For you have not walked in my statutes, nor executed my judgments, but have done according to the customs of the Gentiles which are all around you. Now it happened while I was prophesying that Palatiah the son of Benaiah died. Then I fell on my face and cried with a loud voice and said, Ah, Lord God, will you make a complete end of the remnant of Israel? Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Ezekiel chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11. That's what we study today as we read through the Bible in one year. 
You know, even today, there are many who believe that God has ended his commitment to Israel. Now think about that. Many have believed that. But I think this is a mistaken belief. We need to understand how God directs his covenants and pay attention to his entire revealed word, not just portions of it, nor the time in which we are currently living. Ezekiel lived in a challenging time. He was a prophet of God in exile. God's covenant had begun its destruction. The problem was that the people of Judah back in Jerusalem were listening to false prophets. The prophets were advising the people that God would never break his covenant with Jerusalem. Now that was short-sighted advice. It just wouldn't happen, they said. God's voice of judgment had been clear, however, and the people had already broken the covenant, and now God was simply fulfilling that brokenness. Now, as we continue reading the scripture, we realize that even in this great judgment, God had a plan of redemption for his people. Sometimes our problem is how time-bound we are. God operates on a different time scale than we do. He sees all, and we see in a very limited capacity. We actually make judgments in a very limited capacity. Now, this is important as we begin to understand this. I want to say that did God end Israel? Really important to hear this. Take your Bible guide and turn to the page of which we talk from Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 1 to 13 today. We're going to cover that. Now, as we think about that, we also have to tell you that if you read chapter 8, you're going to read about the abominations in the temple. That's interesting. And then you're going to read about idolatrous killers, killers, people who kill because they worship false gods and the glory of the Lord leaves the temple. So understand that that's what we're reading into. We then come on chapter 11 and we read judgment on the wicked. Very, very important. Father, help us today to hear you as we pray on this. We pray, Lord, in Jesus name about Israel. And we pray that you would help us to understand how you have done your covenants and how you do your covenant. Help us to get our lives tied into that so we don't make judgments about you based on what we think your covenants are, but help us to hear how your covenants are so that we can understand them. And Lord, we pray that you would minister to us. We don't want to read into your word, but read from your word to change our heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, Amen and amen. Now listen carefully to Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Very important. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faces eastward, and there at the door of the gate were 25 men, among whom I saw Jazaniah, the son of Azar, and Pelatiah, or Pelatiah, the son of Benaniah, princes of the people. And he said to me, son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and give wicked counsel in this city, who say, the time is not near to build houses. This city is the cauldron and we are the meat. Therefore prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. Then the spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said to me, speak. Thus says the Lord. 
Thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. You have multiplied your slain in this city and you have filled its streets with the slain. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, your slain whom you have laid in its midst, they are the meat and the city is the cauldron. But I shall bring you out of the midst of it and you shall, or you have feared the sword and I will bring a sword upon you, says the Lord. And I will bring you out of its midst and deliver you into the hands of strangers and execute judgments on you. That, that's not a quick read and memorize it and have it in your, your vocabulary every five seconds, is it? You see, God's judgment is real. God does not judge righteousness and justice. God does not judge righteousness and justice. God judges unrighteousness and lack of justice. Beloved, when God judges, and I believe we're in the midst of some of that now, there is a reason why God has done this. And we like to think of our reason as in the last 20 minutes of our life. But wait a minute. God is looking at the last 40 years. That becomes very, very important. Let's read on because this gets even better in 10. Verse 10 says, you shall fall by the sword. I will judge you at the border of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. And this city shall not be your cauldron nor shall you be the meat in its midst. I will judge you at the border of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, for you have not walked in my statutes nor executed my judgments, but have done according to the customs of the Gentiles, which are all around you. You know, different. God's people had abandoned his laws and his will. We can only satisfy God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We must turn our lives to follow him. Beloved, we need to hear that. We don't satisfy God by this little thing or that. We don't make deals with God. We change our lives. We come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, we're going to follow you. Now, there are some people who are watching me who don't believe that at all, but there are others who are watching me who do. And I want to speak to those. You can turn your life to Jesus Christ right now. Very important. Let's read the last verse because this is something. Verse 13 says, Now it happened while I was prophesying that Peltiah, the son of Benaiah, died. And then fell on, and I fell on my face and cried with a loud voice and said, Oh, Lord God, will you make a complete end of the remnant of Israel? So you have Ezekiel reacting into his vision and everything he's seeing. Ezekiel asked if God would totally destroy Israel. Beloved, today we can see that God has not totally destroyed Israel. God's covenant remains. Even though we think that uh, God should destroy Israel, we have to understand that God remains in his covenant. But the people who violated the covenant of God, well, they bore the cost. But there is still a people. And beloved, today... Some of those people are in the land of Israel. and Praise God for that. And I'm a believer in Jesus Christ who was a full Jew. And so he said, if you come to me, you can't get to the Father God except through me. So I've accepted Jesus Christ and I'm 
actually somebody once said in history that we're the 13th tribe of Israel. So, okay, whatever. I'm just glad to be a part of it, beloved. And beloved, we need to come to Christ. Say this, Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross 2,000 years ago and rose again to full life in the flesh. And I believe, Father, that you can give me forgiveness of my sin. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and my segment today ties directly in with our reading because it has to do with Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 14, which records that women were weeping for Tamas in the temple of the Lord. Now, this was considered a great abomination to be sure, but just who or what is this Tamas? Well, this is what this segment today tries to answer. In Ezekiel 8, the Lord falls heavily upon the exiled prophet, and in visions of God takes him on a tour of the temple in Jerusalem, in which he witnesses several abominations, each one followed by an even greater one. Son of man, God says, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary. But you will see still greater abominations. One of these Ezekiel witnessed at the northern gate where women sat weeping for Tamas. Certainly, this was considered a major offense against the Lord, but just who or what was Tamas? Although opinions somewhat vary, most commentators agree that Tamas is the Hebrew form of Demuzi, a Mesopotamian god of vegetation who annually died and rose again. The fourth Babylonian month was named in honor of Tamas, and according to mythology, his lover Ishtar had betrayed him and sent him to the underworld, explaining why the earth's vegetation dried up and died during the summer. During the last several days of this hot month, an image of dead Tamas was shown to morning worshippers. This was believed to help resurrect Tamas, promising renewal of the earth's vegetation. This idolatrous practice of mourning over a physical image of Tamas actually seems to be consistent with Ezekiel 8.14, since in the original language there is an article making it the Tamas. Hence the women sat weeping for the Tamas. Actually, some believe that even the image itself was made to weep. As a matter of fact, one old rabbinical commentator claims that the image was made of metal and was hollow. In the eye socket there was lead, which on a fire being kindled within the hollow image, melted and ran down like tears. And another represents the Tamas as a hollow image with holes through which water flowed. If this be so, it could be that the image was made to weep, and then the worshippers wept along with it. Still, there is yet another ancient and rather bizarre tradition which makes Tamas the name of an old idolatrous prophet who was put to death by a king who he endeavored to persuade to worship the stars. On the night of his death, all the images gathered from the ends of the earth to the Temple of Babel, where the golden image of the sun was. This image, suspended between heaven and earth, fell down in the midst of the temple, and all the other images fell around it, and wept all night because of the death of the prophet. After this, there was an annual mourning on account of his death. 
Of course, whether Tamas was a myth, an idol, or a man, one thing is certain. These women sat at the gate of the Lord's house, weeping and worshipping something other than God. Therefore, says the Lord, I will act in wrath, but I will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. Now, after reading all the horrible abominations that were taking place in the Lord's temple, it's easy to understand why God brought judgment on the nation. But of course, this destruction God brought upon them wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. It had been roughly 900 years since God had first established his covenant with Israel. And it wasn't long after that that Israel fell into rebellion. So the people had many hundreds of years to get it right with God. But you know what? They had no interest in doing that. So God had to punish them in order to bring them back into proper relationship with him. God is truly loving and merciful as well as righteous, as righteous and just. You know, Ryan, what's interesting to me is that a lot of people blame God and they say, well, how come God allows this? How come God allows that? How come God let that man get killed? And, and they don't think about the possibility that, you know, their, their relationship with God is that you have to serve God. And when you serve God, mm -hmm. it's different. See, we are not on a a pleasure ship, but we're on yeah. a battleship. We also think short term, right? We also, also also think about that. But when in God's eyes, it's eternal, right? God will, there will come a day where God will restore everything and he will judge those things. So, so in other words, yeah. we don't, nobody gets away with everything. But what is it? Us, what is it your dad used to say? Sin has a payday. In right? fact, it does yeah. have a payday. And that's why I want Jesus Christ in my life to yeah. help me on that payday. But anyway, the idea is that um, you know, if you if you consider the fact of the Bible and understand that, you begin to understand all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's very important. And, and yet there are still things that happen within our lives that we do. We do wonder. I wonder why that happened the way that it did. And it's okay to go to God with those, with those concerns. Yeah, just like Habakkuk. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The embracer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, why God? Why God? And then, you know, the, I, I don't want to get to that because we're going to get to that soon. <laughs> we are. But we Corey. are. Okay, so it, my segment is going to be going in a similar direction today, but I want to talk about uh, Ezekiel chapter 8 and all of the different idol idolatrous practices that Ezekiel was shown that was going on in the Jerusalem temple. So we see that there was some sort of physical idol in the temple that were not, you know, Ezekiel doesn't focus on it, but we're, we're told that it is an abomination itself. We're told that they, the people had decorated the temple with crawling things and unclean animals and all the idols of Israel were represented somewhere in the temple. We're told that 70 elders were offering incense. And remember to God, incense, the smoke or the cloud that, that was made by the incense, this was seen as a covering uh, of protection for the priests as they were going into the Holy of Holies. Uh, and this, this, this covering, this protection is representative of prayer in the Bible. But to these other gods, to these other religious structures and traditions, incense was actually just a pleasing aroma that was meant to draw these false gods' presence to the temple and to keep their attention, to keep their presence there. We're told, as Ryan's segment today, that there was women mourning for Tamas in the temple. Remember, a god whose, whose death and rebirth was envisioned as going along with the seasons. The dying of the vegetation was the dying of the god and to keep the god, you know, to ensure that there would be a good harvest and there would be a good return, you had to mourn really well for his death. There was sun worship going on in the temple, which uh, 
proved a perfect image for God and Ezekiel to use because it required the men to bow to the rising sun, which caused their backs to be turned to the temple. So this wasn't just figurative for Ezekiel and God. These men were literally turning their backs on God and on proper, and on proper worship in a very real way. Now, something to, for us to keep in mind from all of this, you know, this seems to be really shocking to us when we see it in black and white, when we're studying the Bible and reading the Bible, it's clearly wrong. We can see that it's easy for us to grasp. Uh, but, you know, when something is in writing, it's often easier for us to grasp when we're separated from it in that way than when we're experiencing it ourselves. In life, we all know this. There are a lot of distractions. There's a lot of mental and emotional uh, interference when we're the ones actually living something, which is why it's so important for us to be thoughtful people, to take time to reflect on, on how we're living our lives, how our day has gone, how our interactions have gone, what we're putting into our mind and our spirits to think about our words and our motivations and, and, and our actions. Because see, in Judah, when we go back to Judah now, to this Jerusalem temple, there seems to have been varying views on how to properly worship God, on what was acceptable. So one of these views that's represented here in Ezekiel chapter eight was that it was okay, that it was entirely appropriate to incorporate pagan elements of worship alongside the true worship of God. Now, we see this view also represented back in the days of King Hezekiah and when the prophet Ezekiel was talking. Remember the, the taunt of the commander of the Assyrian army uh, that he claims that King Hezekiah had actually betrayed God by destroying the high places of Judah, these alternate sanctuaries and high places of God. And you know what? There would have even been physical proof that that, that was actually right, that Hezekiah had some somehow offended God by destroying the high places. Because remember, Assyria was ultimately quite successful. They completely humiliated and humbled Hezekiah and Judah and, and Jerusalem, making Jerusalem a vassal kingdom. So then how could people have been expected to know the truth? to be able to wade through this. Which view is the right one? Is it okay to incorporate these pagan practices or is it not? Because there seems to be even physical proof that it's okay. Well, Isaiah was a proven prophet of God in the days of Hezekiah. He was delivering the word of God, as was Ezekiel here in these days. He was a proven prophet delivering the word of God. And today we have the word of God. That's why God's word needs to be so important to you and I today, because the Bible is not God. However, the Bible is today's proven prophet to us. It's a way that we can test events ideas and practices that we have to see if they're godly or of man. Very interesting. Excellent. Janice? Today, is there a message in the names? A lot of times um, names will catch my attention. And as I was reading today in Ezekiel chapter 11, in the very first verse, we hear about 25 men that have gathered and some of the names, two of the men and the names of their fathers are listed. Now, what's interesting to note here, these 25 men that are mentioned here are the same men that were mentioned earlier in Ezekiel chapter eight, verse 16, who were 
bowing toward the east, worshiping the sun. Now, according to Second Kings twenty-one five, the worship of the sun god appears to have gained interest during the reign of Manasseh, who built altars for foreign gods in the courts of the temple. Now, no names were given there of the twenty-five men, but they're referred to here, and some of the names are listed. So. Jeazaniah means Yahweh hears. He is the son of Azor, which means one who has been helped. Pelatiah means Yahweh delivers, and he is the son of Baniah, which means Yahweh has built. As the judgments on these wicked counselors are expressed through Ezekiel, because the Lord says, "Prophesy against them." Ezekiel, as Ezekiel is speaking, we get down to verse thirteen, which says, "Now it happened," Ezekiel says, "while I was prophesying that Pelatiah, remember,、um, which means Yahweh who delivers, the son of Benaiah died." Then I fell on my face and I cried with a loud voice and said, "Ah,、oh, Lord God, will you make a complete end of the remnant of Israel?" And the answer comes later on in that chapter. The answer is no. He doesn't make a complete end of the remnant of Israel. He reveals that he will restore Israel, and we see that specifically in verses seventeen through twenty. You need to read that to really grasp what God is calling His people to, and saying that He has not totally forsaken Israel. But I look at this and I think, in it's in God. In this name, Benaiah, Yahweh, who has built, it is God who has built. It's not a building of man. It's not the structure of man. It's about God and being the Creator, not only the Creator of the world, but the Creator of men and women as well. And it is God, in the name of Pelatiah, who delivers. It is not Pelatiah. It is not these wicked counselors. It is in God. It is not in their disobedience, but it is in the word of God. God's word is sure. God's word stands. God is God. We are not. And when we are called, and when we follow God, our lives become a testimony of following Him and having a relationship with Him, knowing who He is and what He expects from us as we. Who love him want to serve him and be that、um, responsibility to the world around us. Today we need to pray and ask the Lord to help us. We're seeing a lot of inflation numbers, a lot of things happening. Father God, we pray today that in the midst of all this chaos going on in the world, that you would show your people, the people who've identified with you, show them your way and teach them your paths. Help us, O、oh、God, in the name of Jesus Christ, fall on us and help us, Lord, rescue us today. Thank you, Father, and thank you for supplying for us and giving us everything that we need. In Jesus' name. Amen.